Citizen Reporter number 371, 16th of March, 2011. Hello and greetings. Welcome to the program dedicated to underreported news and global concerns. Slightly different start for a slightly different program. Basically, I was leaving Portugal about two days ago, or preparing to leave, and I got contacted by my dear friend Karamoon, who's in Tokyo in Japan, and he wanted to share what was going on there. I know it's two days old, uh, but I still wanted to bring it as a podcast. So here we go. Let's get to it. everyone, it's citizenreporter.org, and today we're lucky enough to be speaking with Karamoon all the way in Tokyo, and of course you all know and you've been watching uh, events unfolding from wherever you are in Japan, but uh, let's hear directly from over there. Uh, hi Karamoon, how are you? Hi Mark, I'm, I'm doing well, yes. It's, uh, it's, it's been, a, been a roller coaster ride of um, natural disaster. Yeah, and let's start a little bit from the beginning. I mean, even though people can can watch the the news, the, the network news version of it, um, your own story. You're there. You're in Tokyo. Uh, it was what Thursday. Uh, how, when? What did you first hear? I mean, you must have first heard it as an earthquake, I suppose. Yeah. So it was it was Friday afternoon, two forty five here over here. Um, I was teaching English with, with my wife, so we, we were we were teaching four five year old girls, and um, we we're very very used to earthquakes here. We have them all the time, um, but you know I've lived in Japan for five years now, and you always have it in the back of your mind that you know there could be the the big one, um, which this may have been. Um, yes. Um, in in that you know the the earthquakes are cyclic, and I think that the this area, the Kanto region of Japan, I think it's a ninety year cycle, and it was sort of thirty years overdue or something. Uh-huh. Um, just just getting another tremor now, actually. Kind of cool. Um, hmm. Yeah. So um, you always kind of have it in the back of your mind that you know, obviously one day there is going to be a very very big earthquake and. Presumably, the one we had on Friday was it. Um, at the time it happened, I had no idea it was serious because, although it was, you know, by far the largest earthquake I'd ever felt, um, you don't know if it where where the epicenter is. And I assumed that it was a a serious local earthquake, and that was that. Um, there was no damage in my community at all. Nothing fell off any buildings. Um, mm-hmm. It was just. Uh, a long and um, very, very frightening uh, earthquake, but I thought that was that, so I continued teaching, I taught a couple more lessons, and it wasn't until early evening, I turned on the television and saw that there had been a tsunami in um, Sendai, where they had you know a 10-meter wall of water um, basically wiping out uh, a lot of the population there. Mm. Um, and we, we had you know, some aftershocks all afternoon. The night, the Friday night was quite touch and go. Um, we have automatic earthquake alerts on the uh, mobile phone system here, the, the cell phone. So a few times in the night we had um, 
the, the, the phone going off and a, an automated alert comes through and says, you know, there, there could be a very big earthquake on the way. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that was how it sort of unfolded. Do they do those Friday. Do they do those automated messages even for smaller earthquakes? It's the kind of thing you've seen before? No, no. This is, this is our, our first time to experience that. Um, but the... Um, the alerts are for the whole of Japan, so um, you know most of the, the alerts that came were for other regions of Japan, um, clo- close enough to frighten us, but uh, but right. not um, close enough for us to run down to the basement. Um, but having said that, you know Friday night we slept in our clothes. I prepared three escape bags that we had next to the beds. Um, yeah, it's quite an experience. What what is your escape plan slash route well um there's there's not really anywhere we can go and my like most families in tokyo my family doesn't own a car so um you know the the escape bags are really for just if the house collapses and we have to get to a center basically they're the local schools are turned into earthquake crisis centers um so you know we we prepare for literally for the twelve or twenty four hours following a, you know collapse of the house so um me- medium and long term plans um there are none really mm. and, <laughs> and and I think that's the case for lots of people here i mean you know most people here at least in in, in metropolitan tokyo people don't have cars they travel by subway to work so um i don't think there's going to be a, a mass exodus yet yeah and so from the time that you 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 see the images and you hear about the the tsunami and the the, the destruction uh around that time i suppose you also start to hear about the the question of the the energy plants yes although the i mean the japanese news coverage um on, on the nuclear issue has been um extremely vague um, that I mean I, I should point out that the news on um, the news in Japan regarding the, the power stations comes from TEPCO the Tokyo Electric and Power Company who own and run the stations and they have a proven track record of um, not telling the truth in the event of nuclear accidents of which Japan has actually had several and of course Japan had the worst nuclear accident since Chernobyl um, which was two, um, maybe I want to say 1998 1999 yes, yes. Um, which which TEPCO covered up so information here has has been very limited and, and interestingly um, not a single one of my Japanese friends is seems to be concerned about power stations because they don't have a culture here of um you know there's no kind of environmental movement to speak of um people here haven't watched movies like the china syndrome yeah um most japanese people are unaware of chernobyl they they might know the word but they're not really sure of any of the details so and and, and they you know they have a very very poor understanding of, of nuclear engineering um, <laughs> Okay. So that's kind of interesting, um, and a little bit worrying, obviously. So you know, I've 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 been looking at the, you know, I've been watching the BBC News online um, to get my information, um, and of course, you know, the, the BBC are trying not to be alarmist, but 
they they do tend to say things like TEPCO says, you know, so and so, but it has not been independently confirmed yet. Um, yes. You know, it's not it's not like um, if there's a nuclear accident in England, you know, potentially a whole bunch of university professors or whatever would go and have a, have a poke around with a Geiger counter and environmentalists, you know, would go and see what's going on. Um, it's not like that here. But um, so, how has that changed since the initial, you know, lack of information? I mean, uh, are no, you getting SMSs about really. about this danger now? We're, we're we're still not really getting any specifics at all. Um, you know, for example, we know that um, steam has been vented off a, a, a few times. There's been no concrete information about how much steam was vented off, how radioactive it was. Um, what the actual radiation situation is at the, at the site, because of course, with you know, with radiation, you've got the physical radiation rays, the the gamma rays, right? Um, that you know, short-lived, short-distance, very very dangerous. But you've also got radio, potentially you've got radioactive particles coming out of there, um, alpha and beta particles, and you know, we're not, we, we don't have anything of that kind of detail of. You know what's the astrological count um, one kilometer from the power station, for example. Nothing like that has come out. Um, Tepco have also, when when they're talking about things, they're not talking about when things happened. So it's been a bit confusing. They've sort of, you know, the, the situation seems to be now that is potentially issues with up to six reactors at three different sites, I believe. Um, and yet, we don't really know um, what, have, have some of those issues been right from the beginning and TEPCO just neglected to point them out or, uh, yeah. yeah, so, you know, information is, is very patchy and it hasn't really changed. Uh, we're still getting very, um, we're getting very general um, news here about nuclear power stations in general and how they work. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's quite alarming if um, if there really is something serious happening. One one interesting thing we had on uh, Saturday morning was that around the Sendai area there were there was a warning not to go outside with exposed skin and yeah. also to um, if you're outside you should cover your mouth with a mask or wet cloth. Now the interesting thing about the warning was um, the reason given was that um, because of the fires at the oil refineries, um, Japan has five uh, petroleum plants, of which two are currently engulfed in flames, I believe. Um, it strikes me as kind of odd advice to give when an oil refinery is on fire, but it's very, very normal advice to give when there's potential nuclear leak. So it may be that you know they were concerned about um, radiation right from the outset and yet they just didn't want to worry people by saying you're all going to get nuked <laughs> are they given this warning even for your area are people walking around on the street with their their faces no covered? no no oh, okay. um no it's uh i mean i'm i'm a good distance from fukushima where where the the three reactors that I, I believe are in trouble um i'm I, mean, I think i'm a couple of hundred miles away from fukushima um which is you know, a long way away in terms of uh, sort of nuclear blast or something, but very short distance in terms of nuclear rain and 
and atomic ash and all those other goodies that nuclear power stations tend to produce when you upset them. Yeah. And in the meantime, uh, they've announced to you that your power will be regularly uh, cut? Um, yeah, so we've, we've been told that there are going to be scheduled power cuts and that these are expected to last at least until May. Um, and these will be, the, the idea is that areas around the Kanto region, which is basically around um, Tokyo, Yokama, whatever, um, will get power cuts for three hours a day. If we're very unlucky, we'll have two three-hour cuts. Um, and depending on what area you're in, they'll be at different times. And there's allegedly, uh, I mean, schedules have been produced that say on which days you'll get you know, a cut in which time. But um, so far, no cuts have happened. Uh, as far as I can tell, um, in the morning there was there was the news that they'd cancelled the morning's cuts on the grounds that people were confused about when their cuts were going to be, which um, is somewhat comical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so at the moment, I'm just trying to think how to how to carry out an existence where we have no power each evening um, or, or whatever it's going to be. Yeah. Um, and you can't, I mean, <laughs> I, I suppose, but I'll check, uh, English classes, your regular work, it's, it's all off yeah, for Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm <laughs> you know, the, the, those are all, uh, all issue, ongoing issues. Um, yeah, because I mean, I'm sure many people still go to work, but some don't. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, so today um, trains were on, so some train lines were completely cancelled. Uh, obviously, most people commute into work by train. Yeah. Um, no one in their right mind would go into work um, by car at the moment because we're suffering petrol shortages. So some some train lines are on 50% schedule, and I mean I can't imagine what people would do at work. Um, I'm I'm very curious. You know, if you think Japan is a is a very very high tech semi post industrial consumer society, what happens when you know, there's uh, there's not a lot to do in regarding technology or consumerism or yes. um, even in industrial activity. I mean, I can't, I just can't imagine what it's going to be like over what the next few months, possibly the next six months or something. If you know, if most factories are going to be closed, presumably Japan, Japan is very resource poor. Um, we import more than 60% of our food for a start, which is obviously a concern. Um, Japan doesn't really have any natural resources in terms of oil or coal or nuclear fuel, so it's all imported. And um, you know, it's one of the reasons why Japan gets, I think, 30% of the electricity here is nuclear. The rest is mainly oil, oil and gas, and there's some hydroelectric um Although whenever I've been hiking in the mountains and come across hydroelectric plants, they're never in operation, which is <laughs> interesting. Yes, yeah. yeah. So it's, I mean, it's, it's very hard to imagine the kind of medium-term change in life here. Um, I mean, you know, mo- most people in Japan work in offices, right? And they do... <sighs> yeah. They do general, nondescript office work. Um, <laughs> they don't... I mean, seriously, in, in Japan, when you ask someone what their job is, they'll say they're an office worker. They won't say, mm-hmm. you know, I, I do sales at Sony or, I work, you know, I work in accounts at Hitachi. They'll just say, I work in an office. Yeah. And the way the economy works here is generally uh, co- companies are very, 
by Western standards, companies are massively overstaffed, and people work. Um, mm, let's see. To be polite, people work inefficiently, um, long hours, lots and lots and lots of them. Yeah. And it's generally okay because other countries like Japanese money. Um, <laughs> But, right. Okay. You know what's what's going to be the situation when you know people are no longer buy, buying consumer goods here? Yeah, um, I think of all the shopping malls that are normally constantly, as long as they're open, quite busy. Yeah. And, uh, what, if, exactly. what happens when they're not? Um, <laughs> this, this is this is a shopping society, particularly around around Kanto. Um, so there, I mean, there are lots of um, short and medium term issues. I mean, long, long term. I don't think this earthquake is a very serious issue for Japan. Pe- people will be quite surprised to hear me say that, but um, I mean, wh- one of the things people have been saying is that this, this earthquake is the worst thing that happened to Japan since World War II. Well, um, World War II was what sixty years ago and was infinitely worse. And Japan, in you know, Japan was was um, decimated in World War II and quite quickly became the world's second largest economy. Right. Um, so, you know, long term, I don't really see any issue with Japan. Um, but short and medium term, I really can't, um, I just can't imagine what things are going to be like here. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was watching the images, just, yeah. sorry, uh, I was watching the images sorry, yesterday yeah. of, um, of course, like the Japanese rescue effort and the international rescue operations coming in. And, you know, at those moments you get the idea, as I think is true, that the the nation was and is always ready for, you know, you said they're due for a big earthquake. They they do have, uh, you know, people who are equipped to, to deal with some of this. I think the nuclear thing is, it seems like, caught them off guard but uh, as far as recovering from a tsunami I think they, they you know are prepared yeah, for mean, such a big challenge the, the, the example that's often given is that when um, there was a gas attack in Tokyo oh, yes, in yes, yes. 2005 um, there, I think there were 25 or possibly 50 deaths 2000 injuries um and people, you know, and, and that was that was the world's first um, uh, terrorist chemical warfare attack. Um, and you know, people said the the incredibly low rate of fatalities was just due to the fact that they do earthquake drills here all the time. Um, a f- couple of years ago, Lon- London uh, London Transport and the London Metropolitan Police did a like training drill of you know what would happen if there was a, a t- biological or chemical attack on the London Underground, and after eight hours um, during the training drill, no nobody had even gone inside the um, the subway. You know <laughs> that it was so um, w- we're so poor at that kind of thing. And fortunately, it's just a training drill. But you know, in Japan, people people prepared for emergencies here to to an extraordinary extent. That you know every large company here issues all their staff with helmets that are um, in their offices for when quakes strike. Um, we have mass mass drills, kind of city-wide drills every few years. Um, a couple of years ago, I, I had a, a very dull weekend and I decided to go to my local library and I got the um, 
video documentary they had made of the uh, evacuation drill and all, all the local people had joined in and were having you know great fun eating their uh, Japanese rice and curry in a park or something while people pretended to tie them up with bandages and stuff. Yeah. So they, they take emergency preparedness very, very um, seriously here. And um, Japan is a country that can, can rebuild very, very quickly. Um, I, should, I guess I should explain a little bit about Japanese houses. So Japanese houses are essentially made of paper and not much else. Um, so... You know, typically when a big truck goes by your house, you're not sure if it's a big truck going by or the wind or an earthquake. Things um, shake. So yeah. housing, you know, and, and uh, you know, of course, I mean, we, you know, I had a very, very serious earthquake and there's not a single crack in my house. The whole thing just flexes and shakes and that's fine. Um, so it does mean that, you know, the, tradi- the sort of typical housing here can be erected very, very, very quickly. Mm. So I think they're going to rehouse people pretty quickly. And uh, hopefully, you know, once um, once the water is, is completely dried up, and because uh, you know, at the moment the rescue workers can't really do a lot because I think things are too um, too wet for sniffer dogs to be of any use. And presumably, even when the water is dried up, most of the scent is not there. So um, it's really just a, a body recovery situation at the moment. Yeah, and I know that the um, the military. I, I often hear like Americans in their lack of infinite wisdom sometimes say like you know Japan has no military but in fact of course Japan does have a military but I've always been sort of aware that it's uh, it's very much directed towards uh, civil service or or civil issues problems uh, natural disasters and and I see now that they're also uh, very much involved in what's going on. Yeah, so I mean officially Japan officially has no army, no navy, no air force. Um, this is despite the fact they have a massive, massive, massive army, navy, and air force. It's called the Japan <laughs> Self-Defense Force, um, and it's, it's kind of it's it's interesting that you know Americans sometimes say there's no military here because the reason, one of the reasons Japan's military is so big is because America says to Japan, you really ought to have a lot of military and here by this. Our arms companies will provide you with, you know, M16s and whatever things they sell. Um, and, yeah, so, the, I mean, the military is big. Japan is um, a, at least until, I mean, until recently, Japan was one of the biggest military spenders in the world, not not by, um, not as a percentage, but in just gross amount, because Japan's a very, very rich country, and America is very, very keen to sell them weapons. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they've you know they've mobilised a hundred thousand Japanese soldiers. Um, there's yeah, there's been rescue teams from all over the world coming in. Some uh, chi- Chinese rescue team came in today with two three tons of um, rescue equipment and stuff. But as as far as I can tell, just from looking at the Japanese news reports, um, you know I, I believe that there was a total of seven people found today alive. Um, which uh, which is unsurprising when you when you see the devastation caused by the tsunami, yeah. um, and generally what we've heard is that you can either build buildings that are earthquake resistant or tsunami resistant, but not both, because you know if you want tsunami resistant building, you have to have paths in the building to let the tsunami through, and if you want a, an earthquake resistant building, you want a lot of 
um, structural robustness um, yes. that's kind of uh, diametrically opposed to that. So, um, mm. and, and in, know, the meantime, in the meantime, in uh, meantime, you're you're following social media. I mean, you're following the different conversations from different parts of the world. I'm sure you've seen, and and it's bound to happen as as we go forward. Discussions about uh, other countries investing in nuclear energy. Discussions about global warming or climate change and preparation. I mean, it must be odd to be there during a crisis when the, the concerns are much more immediate and basic while the rest of the world starts to go, we should reconsider. I just opened the New York Times and there it is. Like, U.S. nuclear industry uh, pretty much gives up any future. You know, and then, um <laughs> I mean that's what we do, and and there you are watching it as well on the different uh, places online. Yeah, and I mean it's 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 something that you know I've, I've I've been thinking about continuously since the quake happened, and I mean on 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 the on the specific point of housing, okay, that um, when when foreigners like me come and live in Japan, we spend I guess ninety five percent of our waking hours complaining about Japanese housing. We complain that it's uninsulated and it's drafty and it's massively energy inefficient and it's the worst possible design. It's good for earthquakes, but generally, it's, you know, the ha- standard of housing here is incredible. Um, it just, you know, looks like a so-called third world country when you're running, running around Japan. Um, and you know, my, my house is essentially not fit for human inhabitation, and yet. This is a typical house that Japanese people live in. Um, the reason why the ho- housing is, is so appalling is because it was made in a hurry after World War II, and since then people are just copying the same design. Now, with this, you know, with the tsunami, I kind of, for I think for one minute or something, I thought, wouldn't it be great if Japan decided to build sustainable housing? Um, in, you know, in a, in a sensible manner, but that's just not going to happen. Um, you know, if if Japan is going to be suffering from energy shortages over the next few years, it would you know be blindingly obvious to build houses that you know are, are massively insulated and have double or triple glazed windows and you know all the usual stuff that people in other countries know about building houses. Um, the Japan is an incredibly corrupt country. It's I, I I often describe Japan as being a lawless country because there are laws here, but you know, with a, a, a very small amount of money, you can avoid any, any laws. So in Japan, the um, construction industry is particularly corrupt, particularly set in its ways, and certainly isn't going to change. Um, so yeah, it's basically all all I've been thinking about since the yeah. quake, other than immediate survival, is you know wouldn't it be nice if Japan took this um, I don't want to say opportunity, but you know, took this appalling situation and thought you know let's let's make good quality sustainable housing, consider environmental impact. I mean it, in Japan when you build stuff, you don't have to do an environmental impact study or anything like that. You just build whatever you like essentially. Um, so. It's it's a big concern. Um, the nuclear power issue. I mean, Japan has 30% of, of the power here is nuclear power. Um, like most so-called developed countries, I mean, Japan wastes energy on a on a criminal scale on a daily basis. Um, 
I sometimes feel that Japan could easily cut 30% of its power use if, you know, if we uh, stopped running shopping malls and things like that. Yeah, sure. um, so, I mean, and, and it's, it's, it's in, I mean, I have to say it's an interesting thing. There hasn't been any discussion as of how much, um, how much slack there is in society here. I mean, how much leeway do we have? You know, if, if people, like I, I, earlier on I said that Japan imports 60% of their food, but a lot of that is luxury or semi-luxury food. Um, you know, people here can live without champagne and palm and ham for a while, I think. And um, presumably people can here can live with a lot less energy as well. So, you know, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily have to be um, a, a massive drop in living standards. Maybe just a shift in in living. But um, you know, knowing knowing Japan, it it would be wildly optimistic to um, believe that they might actually, you know, they being Japanese government and I guess Japanese society in general, that they might reconsider how things are done here and try and stop wasting stuff. Um, Mm. I mean, as as far as other countries go, um, obviously I'm I'm British, and in our in in Britain, nuclear power is a very special issue. Um, it's a special issue because the the what is it? The Atomic Energy Authority, I believe they're called in England. They um, are the same people who provide a small but vital amount of. Um, nuclear fuel for nuclear weapons in England. So our our nuclear industry is tied in to nuclear weapons. They're kind of inseparable because they're typically the same people. Um, and you know, England's had some pretty um, reason, you know reasonably serious nuclear leaks and stuff in the past. Um, so we're not going to get rid of nuclear power anytime soon. Um, I guess we're also you know. England is an interesting position because we we say we have nuclear power, but in fact um, our nuclear power stations um, are all run on oil. It's uh, it's it's all a big con. Um, if you actually look at the energy, if if you look at the um, I don't know what you'd call it, the energy chain, I guess. Um, you know our nuclear power stations in England they're using um, enriched uranium from uranium mines in Africa, which is is mined using a huge amount of oil is transported using a huge oh, amount of yes. oil. Yeah, yeah. Um, nuclear power stations require quite a bit of oil to run. They require um, incredible energy inputs to build. And as we're finding out in England with our older power stations, they um, require a lot of energy to uh, stop using them. Um, you know, n- nuclear decommissioning is is a process that takes years and years and years and it's very energy intensive. So I think if you actually look at the energy produced by nuclear power stations, you find that actually it's you're essentially using oil. But of course, because it's in Africa, we don't really care, <laughs> and that's that's without even factoring in the radiation sickness that the Africans get in the uranium mines and stuff. So. Uh, yeah, it's 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 one of those interesting issues. <laughs> yeah, and it comes at an interesting interesting or or important time because there's been not just in the U.S. Uh, but I do think of the U.S. example this push to say like oh there are new or next generation nuclear power plants uh, and we should we should really start building them and there's been uh, yeah, exactly. quite a successful yeah. move to to sort of not only convince us all. <laughs> 
but mm-hmm. also to convince uh, convince governments that uh, yeah now is the time. Yeah, and I mean obviously you know the the forty year old nuclear power plants were were brand new at one point, and <laughs> and mo- most British people will will um, remember the phrase I think it was from Margaret Thatcher that when um when Britain invests in extensive nuclear power, um, the electricity would have to be free because it would be too cheap to meter. That was what we were told in, um, wow. in the 1970s. And, um, I'm going to go find British that quote. people would, would tell you they're not getting um, free power. <laughs> free electricity no. at the moment. Um, so, I mean, when, when, when there are big natural disasters and things, um, naive people like me always have a tiny little bit of hope that it will make society reconsider the way it does things but you know experience says that's definitely not the case um well or or it takes something you know as great as this is a great in terms of terrible um it takes something even more terrible it's, it's yeah the change doesn't come like in this in this way or not not so easily exactly and yeah. i mean i i don't want to sound like a well i don't mind sounding completely evil but um I mean, we might be looking at a death toll of about 30,000. Well, um, just before speaking to you, I was browsing Japan's suicide rates, and you know, Japan has one of the highest suicide rates in the world, and it's around 30,000 a year. Um, most, you know, most of those people committing suicide are um, office workers under, you know, under pressure at work, or you know, they've got family debt or whatever. So, you know, it's 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 an appalling tragedy, but. Um, in the grand scheme of things, um, it's sadly not necessarily enough to cause a change in um, in the way that you know Japan lives. I mean, Japan is a is an energy intensive, high tech, and you could say quite fragile country. Um, I mean, you know, Japan cannot resources wise, Japan is is nowhere close to self sufficient. They're importing food, importing fuel. They, you know, they rely on um, on you and other lovely people to buy Sony and Hitachi and Panasonic goods. Um, so they're, you know, in a way, it's quite, it is quite a fragile society, like any super high techy society is. So, um, but yes, it's very hard for me to even imagine what life is going to be like medium term. I mean. Um, there are already food shortages. Um, I mean, I guess it's—I don't know if you'd call a one-day food shortage a food shortage. But my—you know—I went to the supermarket this morning, and it was—it was chaotic and um, yeah. quite fun, really. Um, people <laughs> but, scrambling around trying to buy stuff. Yeah, and it also um, sounds to me like one of those strange. So let me let me separate food shortages. There's the food shortage when you're in the place that, in fact, isn't getting any uh, deliveries and and there's the food shortage that I know that happens sometimes uh, where people are fearing the worst in the coming days, so they raid a supermarket for specific items like water and so on, whether it's necessary yeah. or not. Because <laughs> um, it makes me wonder yeah. about your area. I'm surprised to hear there's a food shortage because it probably can resupply eventually or, or relatively well, soon. Well, I mean, that, I don't, I mean that's, that's um, an interesting issue that you know, like I said, Japan has five um, oil refineries and two of them are on fire. So I'm not sure. Can I mean, you know, the f- the food is delivered to the supermarket in a truck, comes ah. quite far. If 
so, so, so you know, there's, there's food shortage in terms of there may be food in Japan that can't get to the supermarkets. There's food shortage in terms of yeah, people buying and hoarding stuff. I unfortunately live in it, although my family is ridiculously poor, we live in a very affluent <laughs> suburb of Tokyo. Um, so the people around me can, you know, afford to buy everything. <laughs> um, yeah. So you can knock on your neighbor's door when you need something. <laughs> yeah, we don't really do neighbors in Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Just, um, all right. Yeah, the community is, is an alien concept here. Um, but then there's also potential food shortages of food coming into Japan. Um, now, like I said, maybe quite a lot of that is, is luxury food that we don't really need. But, um, you know, I wonder, presumably, Food delivery to Japan won't really be affected by this. I don't know. I mean, if, if there's more tsunami threats, then you know, shipping companies might be reluctant <laughs> to send Come this way. for the yep. past or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So there's yeah, there's all, all the kind of food shortage issue. There's the fuel issue in most petrol stations or, or or gas gasoline stands or whatever the Japanese call them. Um, seem to be out of petrol at the moment. Um, there's potential cash shortage. Uh, I know lot, lots of people have been recommended that you go to an ATM. J Japan is a, is a cash-based society. We don't really use credit cards here much. We don't have any kind of electronic money, like debit cards or anything, aren't, aren't really popular here. So, um, you know, if cash machines, if, if ATMs here aren't going to be replenished regularly, or and it's possible if if enough people withdraw money, then you know Japan might Japanese government might fear a run on the banks and might no matter how much money people can take out in a day. Um, huh. Presumably, the places that do take credit cards, um, the credit card networks might not necessarily be up and running. Okay. Um, so yeah, there are all the issues you know surrounding that. Um, there's, we've, we've heard that at least around Sendai there seems to be potential shortage of anti-radiation tablets. Um, currently people have been buying uh, potassium iodide tablets which protect you to some extent from radioactive iodine. Um, I oh. don't, you know, that's kind of um, yeah. a, a, a kind of an issue because um, if you eat take too much potassium iodide it might not be very safe um, and uh, so anyway yeah, so people are stocking up on that um, so yeah there's lots of uh, lots of potential shortages and, and excitement in the near future yeah um, and I, I've basically hopefully got enough food for a month or something um, not particularly it won't be a nutritious month but um, you know I'm I mean, one one potential um, issue is that the, if if the nuclear situation worsens, we might be told to stay inside for a week or two weeks. In which case, regardless of how much food is at the supermarket, you know, it's, it's no good to us if um can't get there. if we can't yeah. go outside. Yeah. yeah. Um, hmm. So yes, it's uh, it's it's an exciting, somewhat disturbing yeah. uh, situation that's unfolding day to day. It seems, yeah. yeah, living living day to day. I mean, it's only it's it's Monday. They've got heaven on Friday, so it's you know it's very very early days yet. Yeah. Um, 
All right. Well, I mean, I'll, uh, I think I'll stop it at that just uh, to give people this particular uh, program. And, uh, and maybe we do a follow-up as well just to see how things are going. Sure. Um, yeah. People can follow. You do tweet about what's happening. Um, you, what's your Twitter handle, Caramoon? Yeah, Caramoon. Okay. And um, I'm that. blogging occasionally, uh, caramoon.blogspot.com. And, uh, yep, as long as I have power for a while, I'll do some podcasts at japanpodcast.net. So, yeah, sadly, um, you know, I'm into all that social media nonsense. Well, I mean, hey. I mean, that, you know, that, that makes, that makes the earthquake interesting in itself that, you know, at least, uh, it's the first really big natural disaster where, you know, in, in a country where 95% of people have high-speed broadband internet. And, yeah. you know, everyone's on Facebook and Twitter and all the rest of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, on, uh, among the good things is uh, at least everybody does feel that it's... Um it's it's not just far away, not their concern. I mean, I, every conversation I've had in Portugal, where I am, in the last two three days, has been, "Have you been watching?" I mean, that is you know the funny beginning phrase, but have you been watching Japan? Yeah, have you yeah. seen Japan? And um, that says something. Um, I, I think it's worth something in terms of uh, being concerned for each other in this world. But it's true that it's it may not be enough, and uh, yeah. You'll need that uh, to take your own emergency steps as you are, and, and yeah, yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll leave it at that, and of course I'll, I'll put a link to uh, Learn Japanese Pod because uh, <laughs> now more than ever it's good to speak Japanese. Uh, it is indeed, yes. And uh, and I know you've been working hard on that. Um, so we'll leave it at that. Caramoon, thanks for taking okay. the time, and Thank you very much. Uh, we will speak again soon. And uh, thanks everybody for joining us uh, for this uh, impromptu uh, podcast. You die along with the land A hollow head in its hands But everybody does that But with particular scorn In polyurethane form Freeze-dried stuff to the brim Shit is shaped grass I told you I couldn't see it A monument of pills Groceryless telephone bills Pamphlets and dollar store trinkets